Welcome to a special Hamill Ode of Broadway World, Some Like It Pop. I'm Matt Tamanini, and as always, I'm joined by Jennifer McHugh. Jen, I assume that there is no time that you are not ready to talk about Hamilton. That would be correct, sir. All right. You can follow Jen on Twitter at EponineQ, and you can follow me at BWWMatt. You can follow both of us at SLIP Podcast. Please follow all of us and talk to us, because otherwise we have no human contact. You can find all episodes of Some Like It Pop, including List of Paloozas and special mini-episodes, on BroadwayWorld.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So please subscribe, rate, review, and give us something to justify all of our life choices. Jen, today we are talking about the venerable Bible of everything that you love, Hamilton the Revolution, also known as the Hamilton. You and I both pre-ordered it. We got it the first day it was released. You have already read it and listened to the audiobook as well. Fortunately, you had a vacation coming up like literally the day after you got the book, so you were able to do that. I've read through um, about a third of it and leafed through the rest of it because it is, as I'm sure we'll talk about, a work of art unto itself just in speaking of the, the way the book looks. But since Hamilton is your chief obsession at the moment, I'm going to let you kind of lead the discussion about this book as we go through it. So, Jen, I leave the discussion in your capable hands. Well, as you said, I um, it, it was released on Tuesday the 12th. So at midnight, it became available on Audible. So, <laughs> you know, I'm a big Audible fan. I downloaded it immediately. I'm like, oh, let me listen to a chapter or two, and then I'll go to sleep. The physical copy will be here tomorrow, and then I'm getting on a plane. That's the plan. Cut to seven hours later. Oh. I did not sleep. <laughs> I listened to the whole thing. Um, I have a problem. I, I admit it. That's the first step. But <laughs> I just can't get enough of this story and the story of how it was made. So once the book arrived, and I, I know you agree with me on this, I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. Absolutely. It's, it, it's almost, it looks like an old school encyclopedia. But inside, it's is it parchment paper? Yeah, uh, I mean, probably faux parchment, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's got the rough edges on the sides, and it, um, and you, there are imperfections on on certain pages. And I thought at first maybe it was just something on my book, but I realized it's actually on the page, but it makes it look like an old fashioned, an old book that you found tucked away in a library somewhere. Yeah, it's just beautifully done. There's um, photography throughout the whole thing of the production itself, like uh, show pictures. There's also backstage pictures. There's rehearsal photos, photos of the actors and the creators as they were younger. It's put together in such a beautiful way. I think even though I got the audiobook, I'm really glad I got the physical one because it'll it'll always be on my coffee table from yeah. going forward. Well, let me ask you a question, Jen. This book, for those of you who aren't familiar with it yet, the book is set up where there are essays um, around each chapter by Jeremy McCarter, who is a former theater critic and now is a creative person at the Public Theater, where the first production of Hamilton took place. He's friends with Lynn, and he's written some essays about the progression of the musical through the developmental process. Then that is interspliced with the actual libretto, and then Lynn has put citations throughout the lyrics to explain things. So in terms of the audiobook, how does that work? Is it Lynn going through the lyrics, and then all of a sudden he'll be like, Citation number four, you know, <laughs> and then breaks off. Like, how does that work in the audiobook? Uh, Lynn reads the uh, script notes at the very end of the book. Mershka Hargate is the narrator for the audiobook. So she reads the entire book, 
then at the end it's Lynn, and it's literally just Tim reading the notes. So you have to follow along with the physical book. Otherwise, oh. you don't know. What, I mean, you can probably guess if you're obsessed like me what he's talking about. But there are some very generic ones like, this is a reference to my so-called life. And you're like, wait, what is? So it's best to follow it along. Really? That's yeah. really interesting and so unbelievably unhelpful. So, like, <laughs> the very first note is Alexander Hamilton, one. And then you got to go and see what yep, one is. that's exactly what it sounds like. So before we even begin, a musical note, the piano riff that begins the show is actually inspired by a beat I made. I wanted the, do- the sound of a door slamming as the downbeat, and in my computer music program, I grabbed a sound file called Doorwood Squeak. So you're telling me you have to listen to the entire thing, and then at the end, do you get that footnote? Correct. Damn. So now I'm disappointed. Just, Screw that. Just, I hate this book. I hate this. I'm done. I'm not li- reading not. it anymore. You don't listen to Audible anyway. That's true. Okay, so you talked about... Lynn does all the footnotes. So Mariska Hargitay reads uh, Jeremy McCarter's essays and then also the lyrics? No, she's just narrating the book. Okay, so she reads the the essays. Does does Lynn read the lyrics? No. No one, lyrics. no one reads the lyrics. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so starting with Mariska. Seems like an odd choice for, for this narration. Um, how did she do? Yeah, I'm not sure that was the right choice. <laughs> she has a great speaking voice. She's obviously a very skilled actor, and yeah. she, but it's not the it's not who I heard reading it. I would have liked to have heard Lynn reading it, maybe Questlove reading it. It just it it, it set a weird tone. Um, it didn't work for me, but it didn't take anything away from the story. I still loved the stories, but I don't know if that she was the right choice for me to read the audiobook. Yeah, I thought it was odd. I mean, I love Mariska Hargitay, but it, it seemed it seemed like an odd choice. I don't feel like I've known her to be close with Lynn in the past. I know everybody loves this show and goes and sees it, but it was odd when they just said that, hey, the lady from SVU is going to be reading the book. Yeah, and when there's parts in it when he's quoting his inspiration from the Farsider Big Pun and she's reading rap lyrics, it sounds really <laughs> off-putting. <Yeah. laughs> like, just stop it. So, so Benson is not the best one to read. No. To read this. Okay. So, we talked about how gorgeous the book is, and it, it really is. I mean, it's a work of art in and of itself. Even if there was nothing else to it, this physical copy is impressive. So, as a Hamilton obsessive, if we've already established that the book looks great, what did you think about the the prose and the history? that Jeremy McCarter wrote? The book itself I loved because anytime anyone's going to tell me the history of something I love, how it happened, where it came from, how it was developed, I'm in. Big behind-the-music fan, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, anything like that. And to hear this, how it all came together, and what really boils down to a love letter to the creative team and every individual actor, um, I got it quite emotional at some point. Shocking. I know. I uh, I some sh- some tears were shed, especially at the end of the um, Anthony Ramos chapter. Um, it was very inspirational and and very tear inducing. <laughs> not sorry, but I, I thought it was very well written. What did you think? I mean, you're not as obsessed as I am. No, and very few people are. I mean, I love everything I've seen and heard of Hamilton. I've not seen the show yet, but I enjoy it tremendously. It just hasn't taken over every waking moment of my life. I also, my, this is something you might not have known, 
my first few years of college, I was a history major. So I love this stuff as well. Um, I've also worked a lot as a theater director. So kind of combining those two loves of mine and being able to see how this show was developed is really interesting. But as much of because I like the history, but I like the little different things too. Um, I love some of the things we learn, like the fact that we both heard this story so much that Lynn decided this was a great musical because he read the Chernow biography while on vacation in Mexico. Turns out early on we learned that's not exactly true. He did read the book on vacation in Mexico, but that Lynn and Jeremy McCarter, who he wrote the book with, actually discussed turning it into a musical before he went on that vacation, and they both forgot it until they started working on this book. And Jeremy does a good job of weaving that into the story of Hamilton because it shows that history is malleable. You know, memories and different perspectives and time changes what we consider to be the facts of a certain event. I loved how he was able to take actual situations from the writing of the musical and apply them to what the musical became. So I love that interweaving of content and history. Um, and there are some really interesting things that I learned as I was reading. And like I said, I've read about the first third straight through, but I also flipped through a lot. Um, you know, to me, the most exciting thing for me is the footnotes. <laughs> I love as I'm reading the, the, the libretto to get a little number and I get excited to go see what that is. But, you know, everything from the Hugh Laurie's impact on You'll Be Back. And when I remember watching that episode of House where Lin-Manuel Miranda guest starred as his roommate at an insane asylum who raps all the time. And, you know, <laughs> you know, just little things like that I think are great to see Lynn. We both know how much of an obsessive hip-hop fan he is as well as an obsessive musical theater fan he is. So to see him annotate the actual references that he weaved into the story are great. That's been done in some other vulture pieces and some stories in Slate already. So we knew a lot of them, but it was just cool to see him in his own words. So I, I enjoyed it a lot. And not having seen the show, this is as close to I'm going to be able to get, you know, for the next three years until tickets are available or until it comes down to here to Orlando. But I love it. I, I, I'm really impressed by it. The other thing, as you know, as we were both theater directors, that, that I le enjoyed learning were the technical elements. Mm -hmm. I liked hearing about their choices with the lighting and their and why they decided for the staging for the two circles to rotate in opposite directions and how Hamilton always walks in an arc for blocking and Burr walks only in straight lines because those are the only options. Like just those little nuances that the directors and the creators came up with that you would only notice by them telling you, but it's important to them to stay with the characters and with the story. Yeah. So I love that. And then, Another favorite chapter was the choreographer, um, Andy. Well, Andy Blankenbuehler. Yeah, the, his whole process of he's choreographed to the lyrics, and so now in in rethinking about it, you're like, oh, that makes so much sense with the way they were moving and the the ensemble. As I've said before, are the unsung heroes. They do not stop the entire show. They're switching costumes. They're throwing out props, and it is. They said that the the dance workshops were brutal, but look at the end result. And um, I, I just really enjoyed hearing from the creative team and the technical team on how it came together from that side of it. Yeah, and what is also cool about about this, and maybe because Jeremy McCarter was involved from the very beginning, you know, he's the first person that 
Lynn told the idea to, but he was able to get, like, include G-chat conversations between Lynn and Miranda and, and Tommy Kale, the director, and they got emails back and forth with people. It really is an all-encompassing look at this show. I think it's truly a history book in every single facet of what that word means. I agree. I know that you're not into audible books, but if you don't like listening to it, I actually enjoyed hearing Lynn's voice read the notations. Um, I know the soundtrack so well, so I don't need to hear the lyrics read to me because I can just say them. But in following along with the lyrics and then hearing his voice say, oh, this is what I was thinking when I wrote this part, that was really, really enjoyable for me. Jen, do you have your book in front of you? I do. Open it up to page 22, will you? Yes. Oh, I opened it right to that page. There you go. As I was reading, I noticed what I believe to be a copy error. Tell me if I'm wrong in the first sentence of the last paragraph on page 22. Does that read properly to you? Still, how could they pass up this chance? That is not what that page says in my book. What does it say in your book? It says, still, how they could pass up this chance, question mark. Oh, I, I, uh... You inverted it? I did. Exactly, I did too. Because I edit as I, as I read. Yeah, so... Huh, there's a few of those. I I did spot a few of them. Really? Okay, so I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just me nitpicking, but it seems interesting that, as gorgeous as this book is, there's a few uh, editing errors that were thrown in there, but that notwithstanding, that's just a little trivia citation, I guess. Yeah, well, I just thought it was a, it was it was something to point out, but this is, I mean, honestly, one of the most gorgeous books I've ever seen. There's color photography from production shots. Um, there is backstage black and whites. There's historical documents. It really is, I mean, there's pictures of Lynn's notes. Um, he has terrible handwriting, by the way. It's, it's really... Well, which Well, <laughs> which is why I have excellent handwriting. Um, Likewise. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really a, a masterpiece, and it really what shocks me the most is that they wrote this while the show was being developed. The show has only been on Broadway for like nine months. So how long did it take to write this before it had to go into production of being, you know, printed and put together? Like, when the hell does Lynn have time to sleep? I don't think he does. He doesn't. I mean, he performs... He's writing the Disney show. He also, in this time, wrote music for the Star Wars movie. It, I mean, it's really incredible. And, and I'm kind of getting to the saturation point with Lynn. I love Lynn. I have nothing against Lynn. I've met Lynn. But it's just, okay, I get it. It's enough. But it really is everything you learn about him even more impressive every time. It is. And as we're recording this, they just won the Pulitzer last week. It's yeah. No big surprise. A few papers said that they had printed the headline beforehand and were just waiting for the go button. <laughs> but And the Tony nominations are a few weeks away. And so I feel like, you know, the saturation's going to be going on for a few more months. And then maybe it'll start to die down a little. I don't think it's going to go anywhere in, in, like, people loving it and people going to see it. But I think once the Tonys hit, then, then it's going to start to die down a little bit. Um. Yeah, as I've mentioned before on this show, I do a daily theater podcast with Broadway Radio, and it's kind of become a joke. We have, almost every day, we have what we call a Hamill section, because there is news pretty much every day that's fairly interesting, and that's as much a byproduct of being the most popular show in the world, as well as having a really good PR team, but people are, they're like, okay, well, we get it, it's enough, but most people 
are dying for this and working for Broadway World, I see the clicks. People want to read stuff about Hamilton. But I do disagree with you a little bit that it's going to wane after the Tony Awards. There might be a little dip in the summer, but you forget there's a there's a documentary coming out in the fall on PBS mm. about the making of this show. And then there's the Hamilton mixtape, which will be coming out as well. I feel like we're... We're in for the long haul with this in terms of consuming not only the theatrical popular discussion, but the popular culture discussion as well. I don't feel like it's going away anytime soon. We've talked about the releases, and they've really scheduled this well. Book, documentary, Hamilton mixtape spaced out well. We don't exactly know the date for the mixtape yet, but I have a feeling it'll be spaced out well enough that it won't share a life cycle with the documentary. Well, this is one of the few times that I'm going to hope you're right and <laughs> say I am in. I have a Google alert daily for Hamilton stories. So, yeah, you're right. People do want to read about it. I have a friend, Jenna. Hi, Jenna. And we text every single day about something Hamilton. And it's very relevant for us. And I know we're not the only ones out there because I listen to Jillian and Bianca. And I know that there are more people like me than, than I, I care to admit. Yeah, you're mentioning our friends over at the Hamilcast, and they have as high a level of dedication to the Hamilton phenomenon as you do. Maybe even more, because I don't think you're reading Chernow, are you? No, I'm relying on them for that. Okay. They, they, they go through the book and tell me what happened in the chapter, and I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, and if you don't listen to the Hamilcast, Jillian and Bianca had a listener buy them tickets to the show and they went as we're recording last week, so I don't know when they're going to do it. They're going to do a special episode about that experience, so I don't know if it's going to drop this past Monday or they might be saving it for later. They recorded it on Thursday, so Correct. I think it's going to drop this Monday. Yeah, if you're listening to this the week of April 25th, it I believe we think it, it went out on the 25th, so go and listen to them because they are as diehard fans as you can possibly get. Bianca auditioned for the original production at the at the public. Jillian had not seen it until a fan bought them tickets. Jen, what are we doing wrong? Yeah, buy us tickets and and flights. And flights and hotels. <laughs> and but, you know, I don't know that we added a whole lot of nuance to the discussion around the Hamilton, but I think it's good that, you know, we who don't focus on Hamilton on a weekly basis, like some of the other Hamilton-related podcasts are, I think it's good that we discuss it from a more – you know, for me at least, as an outsider's perspective to the phenomenon. But as much as I am loath to admit that any widely popular trend is accurate and deserved, I really think it is. And I'm anytime I know something is as popular as Hamilton is, I usually automatically by default go the other way. But it's really hard to do that in this case. I agree. And I, I keep telling people that because I have a lot of friends who are like, the second something gets hyped, the second something gets popular, they're out. And yeah. I'm like, there are a few times when it is deserved, and this is deserved. Yeah. All right. Well, Jen, this is a very Hamilton-specific episode. You are our resident Hamilton expert. Do you want to take us out of here on a on a Hamil note? That's a Some Like It Pop special episode for you. I'm Eponine Q on Twitter, and Matt is at BWWMatt. You can follow Some Like It Pop at SLIP Podcast on Twitter, where Matt and I, every once in a while, remember to tweet something out. You can find both of us on Broadway World writing about all of our obsessions. And until next time, always remember, I'm past patiently waiting. I'm passionately smashing every expectation, every action, and act of creation. I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow. For the first time, I'm thinking past tomorrow. Damn, girl! Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
descendants or will the blood we shed begin an endless cycle of vengeance and death uh, uh, all right yeah. <laughs> sorry johnny Jen, do you have <laughs> yeah should i just do our regular sign off or you can do whatever the hell you want past patiently waiting i'm passing and smashing every expectation every action's an act of creation i'm laughing in the face of casualties of sorrow for the first time i'm thinking past tomorrow Smashing every expectation every actions and acts of creation damn it I'm past patiently waiting. I'm passionately. I'm past passion. <sighs> I rehearse this so much. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Broadway World's Some Like It Pop podcast. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We'll be back in a few days with a new episode of Some Like It Pop where we look at the recent explosion of female led comedies on TV. Until then, we'll see you around the Broadway world.